how do you kill a feature? How do you kill a product? How do you get rid of something? We just really didn't think that we could do what we wanted to do with the product and still meet the needs of people. Whatever you're doing, you need to be mindful about what impression are you trying to leave in somebody's mind. Transparency is really important, so we wanted to tell our customers as soon as possible. Within a week, we had actually told a lot of our customers personally, and then we made an announcement. We care about these people, you know, what choices they make, and we want them to have trust in us. Hi, I'm Craig Kirsteins. And I'm Remus Silkaitis. And you're listening to Practical Product, a bi-weekly series where we discuss product management and some of the unique challenges we face in dealing with defining the right product and all of the coordination necessary to help teams build it right. Practical Product is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you have a specific topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct@heavybit.com or on Twitter at Practical Product. Welcome to another episode of Practical Product. I'm Remus. I'm Craig. And today with us, we have Susie Prince. Hello. So uh, Susie works at ThoughtWorks Studio, but I'll actually let her introduce herself. Okay, yeah. Um, So I'm Susie Prince. Um, I work at ThoughtWorks, and ThoughtWorks is a global technology consultancy, but we also have a small product division building uh, tools for software development teams, and I am part of that product division. Awesome. Uh, Can you give us a sense of like what product you worked on there? Yeah, um, we have four different products. Uh, Two of them are in the continuous integration and continuous delivery space. One I have been working on more closely is called SnapCI, and the other product is called GoCD. And then we have an agile project management tool and a test automation tool. So I think that makes a a lot of sense. Like I think I've seen a lot of consultancies try to spin out their own products, projects, that sort of thing of like, hey, we're going to do consulting here and then we're going to spin out some some products. I think, you know, CI, CD, I imagine you use a lot of those products back for customers on the consulting side and that sort of thing. So could you share a little bit on kind of like how that evolution started? Just kind of curious for some background context. Yeah, I would say that um, part of it is definitely out of our own needs as consultants. Uh, you know, we have product ideas, we're out on the client side, and we, we want to sort of make those into real life and deal with the problems that our clients have. The other part is ThoughtWorks has a really big part of it, sort of, we have three pillars. And one of those pillars is about um, educating and revolutionizing the IT industry, changing how people work. And the product part is really about that influence, how we change other people, how they work um, outside of, you know, the consultancy that we do. So changing gears a little bit, how did you get into product management? Uh, Yeah, I did not. I don't have a technology background. Um, I actually was um, a biological scientist. I did that's that's not allowed for product (laughs) managers. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I studied botany, and then I wanted a real job, so I joined ThoughtWorks to do uh, consultancy. So I was a consultant. And one of the things that used to frustrate me a lot was about software being built without really thinking about users. I used to see that a lot in corporate software that we would do. So I sort of um, moved over to the product side where I felt like I could spend more time with users and building you know, products that really did help them rather than just like shelfware software. Oh, that's the basis of being a product manager, right? right? Just all about, right. all about the customer. 
So actually don't want to like I think that's all helpful context, but I think we have a very different topic we want to drill into a bit today. We do. Shifting a little <laughs> bit. Um, and this is kind of one of my favorite things as a product manager to do, and often not the thing that gets the most credit. And that's talking about like dunning projects, shutting them down. How do you how do you kill a feature? How do you kill a product? How do you get rid of something? Because like a leaner product is usually much easier to maintain and healthier for the long run. How do you do that from a feature standpoint, a product standpoint? I want to drill into some of the aspects of that today. Well, actually, let's let's back up just one second there. Uh, a little bit more context. What actually was being shut down, deprecated? Yeah, so the product that I mentioned, SnapCI, it um, is. Um, it's still in its end-of-life process. Um, it's a continuous integration, a hosted continuous integration tool for developers. And in February, we announced the end-of-life for that product, and I was the um, product manager for that product. That's and a, made that that's decision. a whole product to shut down. So <laughs> yes. I'm sure there's a ton of yes. questions. Hang on, that we glossed over <laughs> one thing there. You made that decision. So you just put yourself out of a job? Uh, I no. Um, I had the, the the lucky fortune that Thoughtworks is a nice place and we look after good people. So now I get to look after the other products and a head of product role. But yes, I was part of that decision. Sure. Yeah. So okay. So it, it's a healthy decision, not a. It's a healthy decision, and I think that yes. that often is overlooked. Of like yes. when you're killing features, killing products, like there's still plenty of other work to be done. It's not like Absolutely. winding down a company. Many right. times, winding down a product can be very healthy. Yes, and I think that that is definitely my outlook on this particular decision is that it was the right and correct thing to do for ThoughtWorks and for our little product division that we are, yeah. So I think there's probably a lot of things to dig into. Maybe start at the beginning of like, how did you even get to that decision? What did what went into that process? Like, Can you just start to walk us through there? Yeah, so um, I'll give some context about the product. Um, it's a SaaS-based product for software developers. And it's part of two products that we have in a similar space, so continuous integration and continuous delivery. This was a hosted tool for smaller development teams, um, so teams that don't have big build and release teams, they don't have DevOps teams. And then we have GoCD, which is an open source on-premise tool um, for much larger organizations. Um, and we, we, they were two different segments, and we we wanted to run the two products together, um, and we really had a focus on those two themes, continuous integration and continuous delivery. And over the first few years of Snap's lifecycle, it was doing well, you know, adding people, getting feedback, all the good stuff. We all felt great. And then over the last year, um, which is actually the year that I was running the product, um, I actually noticed that that um, growth was actually becoming a bit more um, stagnant. Um, so we would add people every month, but it wasn't, you know, growing in a linear way that it had before. And if we compared that to how Go was doing, where we saw much more acceleration of growth, um, you know, when we were looking at our portfolio of products, one of the key things we were really thinking about is where do we want to put our effort um, in terms of these two different tools? Can we do both? And so that was sort of part of the decision is what we saw was happening in Snap. And then also what could we use our resources for if we're not doing snap. Can you share a bit on the like sense of magnitude of like how that yeah. got stalled? Was it like you were signing up a thousand users a month and that dropped to a hundred, dropped to ten? Like what um, was that spread like? Was it slow or was it kind of like there was a sudden big dip? How did how do you know? How does someone else yeah. know that like things are slowing, but it's okay? I'm I'm reaching a mature business, right? Which is some cases. Yeah. Um it wasn't a drop for sure. Um it was still sort of going up slightly, but we were always in sort of 
hundreds, not thousands. And so I would say like if it was a plateauing, it wasn't plateauing at the level that we would want it mm. to have been plateauing it at. Um, and we didn't really see, we did a bunch of user research around what people were looking for and what our messaging should be. Um, we just really didn't think that we could do what we wanted to do with the product and still meet the needs of people um, in comparison to the sort of acceleration that we saw in the other product. I think that the key thing for us is not necessarily the revenue, which I think it would might be for a lot of people, is that we wanted to impact lots of people and we just really weren't impacting as many people as we wanted to. Do you think that could have changed? Um, well, because the, the decision I'm looking at is you could have either kept going with the product yeah. or shut it down. Yeah. I mean, could you have put more product marketing into this, content marketing, and maybe make it happen? I mean... You mentioned, you know, it, it was about <laughs> the impact. Could you have dropped prices, right? Could you... Yeah. I think that we we definitely talked about a whole bunch of those decisions. Um, it wasn't a decision that we took lightly. I think that... Uh, we run products in a very lean way. So we had less than 10 people on this product. Oh, wow. So there definitely was an opportunity. Um, I think we had five developers, you know, a couple of people do marketing myself and some support. So, you know, that's small. So we could have pumped a lot more into that. Um, but in terms of all of the resources that we had for all of our products, we had to make a choice. Are we going to put more into this product or more into another product instead? And so I think that maybe another organization would have made a different choice if they had, you know, different levers they could have moved. But really for us, it was a choice between um, putting into this product and hoping or putting into the one that we already saw was increasing, really. Okay, so, you know, the the title of the show is Practical Product. And I, yes. like to, I would like to get into some tactical things when, yes. it comes down, when it comes down to shutting down a whole product line. Can you kind of give me kind of a timeline of, or at least... How do you message to customers that, hey, sorry, this thing's going away? What do you? Yeah, the decision's been made, right? Yeah. We're like, okay, made a decision and you're done. Yes. So we made a decision um, in January, and um, we had to go through some process internally. You know, make sure that all of our leaders felt good about that decision, and transparency is really important. So we wanted to tell our customers as soon as possible. So I think from telling our internal those ten people on the team within a week, we had actually told a lot of our customers personally, and then we made an announcement. Um, so it was very quick between actually really making the decision and you know, telling our customers. I think that was good because we wanted to be transparent, but it also I think was a big shock from that for them because we really went from behaving like normal to then suddenly saying, and now it's over. And I think that was tricky. Like, how do you, how do you warn them? I mean, you can't warn someone that no, it's going yeah, to happen, so, but it felt yeah. really strange because for us, we're like, we need to tell you now. And they're like, whoa, what? So you just what, released a new feature like I, two exactly. weeks ago or whatever it was. Yeah, so. I'm sure you're announcing something, then you're suddenly yeah. the opposite. Yeah. How, what, what do you feel like went well in that process? What didn't like, sounds like that's a really quick turnaround. How yes. do you even prep for that in one week? Yeah. I think um, the transparency I do feel good about. Um, I also feel good that we provided a lot of information when we made that announcement. Um, so we provided the timeline that we were going to run for uh, what would happen during that process. So we decided not to continue charging for the product. So we explained all that. I would say the thing that perhaps was a bit too much is it was a lot all at once. So it was like, hey, we're making an announcement and 
here's all this stuff you need to know. And I think people were like, oh, hang on. So now we're getting these questions, you know, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? And we're like, oh, we did let you know. But I think it's just because at that moment, the shock of the shutdown was all they really read and they didn't think about the other things so that would you shared. would you extend that timeline out would you um i think that i perhaps we could have just made the announcement on that day and then maybe in the week following provided the rest of inf- the information we felt at the time it would be best to like not have a void of information so we gave it all at once but i think maybe in retrospect i would have sort of piecemealed that out um mm-hmm. so what we've done now is just we are now repeating it on a regular basis so that people can find it. Yeah, that's something yeah. I found that's very key. Yeah. That, and especially as you get closer to that date. Like yes. if you're shutting something down in six months, yes. you tell them six months out, then you tell them three months out, exactly. then you tell them you know, six weeks, one month, three weeks, twice, you know, two weeks out, yeah. and every tomorrow, day that final right. week. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tomorrow. No, really, it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get turned off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's what um, we've been trying to do. And from a practical point of view, we, we gave us six months, Um, But we're actually removing features sort of down that timeline. So the first three months, nothing's really changed except for we're not charging. And then after three months, you can't add new users or you can't add new repositories just to so that people can remember, oh, yeah. That's I a fa- shouldn't be that's adding a new stuff tactic, to this thing because it's not going to be here. Make it make it a little worse for them to give them the incentive. Yeah, yeah not exactly. A, not a, that's <laughs> we'll actually see a how it tactic. goes, but yeah, that's the idea. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Maybe as a database, we could introduce intentional downtime and right, see if right. people migrate their data faster. Just accidentally delete. I something. can't tell you how many times we've gotten to the shutdown date and customers still have not yet done any migration work. I mean, yeah. it, it is it is shocking how how often that happens. So you you hit on one point in there of like you you talk to customers personally, like and just kind of flew by that. But I think that's actually another huge one as well that. A lot of times when you say, hey, I've got 10,000 users, I've got to send the email. Like, yes. Who did you talk to personally? How did you prioritize that? Yeah, so um, there are a set of users, I guess, that I had more personal relationships with, um, either because they've been using the product for a long time or they're our largest customers or they provide the good or the worst feedback, you know, some relationship that I had with them. Then we also had customers who use some of our other products. So we wanted to talk to them personally. So we basically selected amongst myself, um, people in our support team. Um, and then some. We, we do have some sales um, for some of our other products. Basically, who are the people that we don't want? Um, you know, we want to have special, special handling and make sure they feel comfortable, give them advance warning. Some of them, yeah, some of them have been with us for a long time. So it was more about we didn't want to lose their trust and just sort of blast them with a blank email. So Now, did you learn anything from those like one-on-one conversations that you rolled back into the larger communication or any kind of takeaways that you got early on there? Yeah, it was a really good way for us. I think it's why we ended up with so much information in the first blast because it was every question that they asked, we made into like a FAQ. And so there it all was. Um, so we did learn a lot. Um, you know, people were curious about why we made the decision, what was going to happen over the timeline. Um, we actually also provided like, this is month one, this is what you should be doing. You should be looking at other tools. This is month two, you should move your, you know, your new builds to another tool. So we provided like a timeline because a lot of them were like, oh, how am I going to manage this? I've never moved, pro-, you know, mm-hmm. it, we normally do this when we change a project, not in the middle of a project. How am I going to do this? So yeah, we learned a lot from doing that. 
Now, were there, uh, you know, can, again, being a little bit more tactical, did you make any recommendations to other products to move to? And did you provide kind of a, a migration path for them to do so? And um, in doing so, does is, is, is there risks of, seeing, of being seen as like being too favorable for mm-hmm. one product versus I'll, another? I'll uh, add on to that. Like, did you talk to them ahead of time? Did you coordinate with them to make it easier? Did, was there any collaboration there? So. A few things packed in there. Yeah, that is a really interesting question. I would say that we went back and forward and probably used some of that feedback from those initial conversations. My gut feeling was that we should provide a direct uh, migration to another product and that of our competitors, because that's what they were before this, we should select one and just say, and go have a conversation with them and say, hey guys, we're going to do this. And then when we talked to the first sets of customers, their opinions on what they might go to, because that's one of the questions we asked, were so varied. I think we got 10 different like hosted CI tools that they wanted to go to, and some of them thought they would go to an on-premise tool. So I was like, hmm, I'm okay. trying to think if I can even count 10. Like, I know there's a lot, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like... There's I, a I surprising the amount. Deathmatch. Like, put all, put all 10 in one place and tell them, yeah. fine, whoever comes out, we'll recommend you. Yeah, one <laughs> of our customers has actually written his own comparison, and I think he has 15 or 16 on that list that he, that he tested... Um, as I think he called himself a snap refugee and he said, I'm looking for something and he tested 16 tools. So I was like, okay, I have a week to do this. I'm not testing 16 tools and, and doing this myself, you know, doing this ourselves. So what we decided to do instead is we provide, we provided a migration to our other tool because of course we would do that. And then we provided a very generic export of the information that they had in snap so that they would have more like a read you know, a readme for what they had set up um, that would help them move to another tool. So it's not a direct migration, but it's more like a, it's a YAML file and it mm-hmm. prints everything out and it should make it a lot easier. And then in the absence of a direct migration, we offered basically consultations with people who wanted advice about what types of tools. So we created a questionnaire. Why did you like Snap? What are you looking for? What is important for you? And then provided some recommendations instead uh, rather than a one-to-one tool. So after so. kind of the you know the announcement, mm-hmm. like you you went down that path. Yeah. Did you get the question of like what should I move too much or yes. was it okay? Yeah, I would say like not everybody asked us. I think everybody sort of has their second tool or something somebody's recommended. But I would say more maybe more than I expected. We did phone calls with people and we're still getting requests now. Um, you know, I'm down to the last three. Which one should I pick? <laughs> uh, you know, whatever works for you. It's it's hard, you know, it's a hard choice. So um yeah, that's I think I feel like that worked really well because we we care about these people, you know, what choices they make and we want them to have trust in us. And I felt like having those conversations really helped us um, you know, end the relationship in a way that I, I wanted to end in. So this, I think a lot of this comes back to core kind of product culture principles. It sounds like it sounds yes. like Picking one and giving the migration would have been a, a bad choice. It, it kind of depends on what is the relationship you're trying to build with your customer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first, I thought it would be the right choice because that would be easier for the customers, right? You have a, I've made a very clear choice for you and you need to go to this. But then in retrospect, I thought when we got that feedback, that one choice is not going to be right for everyone. It may be even more work for them to move to that. Um, so yeah, so instead, just advising them and hoping they can find their 
So, so the lesson for me I'm taking away here is that even during product shutdowns, go talk to your customers yes. and figure out like what the best way to do this is. Yes. Um, we also ran a survey to find out how people reacted because not that we intend to shut products down all the time, but you want to know like what impression does that leave for people? How did they feel? Um, what were their feelings about Snap? You know, we had a lot of information making the decision, but part of it was me going like, well, you know, one final chance, was this the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. um, so we, we also did that. I think it's important to keep talking to people, yeah. Yeah, I think some of that's key too. And like when you shut down a feature within a bigger product, like the way you do that, customers will notice. Mm -hmm. And you may not yeah. be killing the entire product and keeping right. your customers, but you may have to kill a feature. And there's good reasons to do that. And not everyone's going to love it. Like there are customers that uh, you can't say, hey, 99% of customers didn't use this to that 1% of the customer because that's probably not, they're not going to like that too much. But you can give the basis why, do it in the right way, and it goes a long way. Yeah, I would agree. So going back to customer reactions, did you have anybody at the end of this that said, you know, thank you, I really appreciate everything you put into this? I mean. Yeah, we I think we got a variety of different feedback, um, but one of the, the, the clear uh, indicators was, you know, thanks for building this, thanks for doing it, we're really going to miss it. Um, and I think some of that was indicated by them saying, I really can't find another tool, like, please, please help me. Nothing else does exactly what this did. Um, and that's really great. And then we had some people who were like, you know what, I might not trust you again for products, which I think for me, you know, it's a little heartbreaking, but I sort of understand that because we shut down something that they really found value in and, and now they're a little hurt by that. I'm hopeful that, you know, in the end we'll win them over. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge not everybody is going to feel the same way. Even if you really try to make them feel good, you are taking something away from people that they used every day in of the course. case of this tool. So, so how, how can you parallel the reactions that you got to shutting down an entire product versus doing something like a product launch? Because, you know, in, in PM world, yes. everybody loves the launch. We do that most often. You know, is there parallels in the reactions that you got between the shutdown and kind of that product launch scenario? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, being really thoughtful about what is the impression that you want somebody to have about um, your product and then your larger brand. Like one of the things we really wanted to think about is ThoughtWorks is this much bigger company that does a whole bunch of different things. This thing that happens with Snap, we need to make sure that, you know, this, how is this going to leave an impression about people in ThoughtWorks? I think that's the same with a launch. Like whatever you're doing, you need to be mindful about what impression are you trying to leave in somebody's mind? Um, what are you trying to create there for them? And how does that re reflect across like your larger organization? Or how are you going to build on that feeling that they have about you? So I think that part is probably parallel. And then for a PM, I feel like, you know, I try to be, it can be a pretty emotional decision. The, um, the shutdown and the launch is like an emotional thing as well. I feel like one of the things I had to do is sort of remove my emotions from it. Like these are my colleagues. And as you said at the start, my own role, like, but I need to be sort of removed from that and like be really clear about what is this decision. And I think with a launch, you sort of have to like avoid the excitement and like, what are we really trying to achieve here yeah, rather than just some... You in know, earlier glitter episode, or whatever. <laughs> we talked about uh, product launches, and one of my favorite things to do is kind of write down the headlines you want to kind yeah. of land. Like, did you did you 
do the same thing with customer reactions to the shutdown to say like, this is like how I want a customer to react. This is what I want them to walk away and say, did you create that? Here's the goals ahead of time so that you know if you you hit that goal. Yeah, um, we didn't do the headline thing, but um, we had a very clear persona for the main person that used our product. And we did talk about what did we expect their reactions to be to the news. Um, so then when we did the feedback survey, that was actually one of the things we were looking for is, um, it was maybe more a test for ourselves. Like, did we really know this person? We wanted to look like, did they react in the way that, you know, the statements that we had written down that we thought they would say or um, how they would respond? Did we, we did we get that? And I think in the majority of the cases we did, and then we had these like extreme cases as well. Of course, so, of course. I yeah. mean, there's always extremes. Yeah. Even, in a, even in a product launch, there's people that yeah. are going to hate on right. anything that you throw out there. right. Um, would you say that this uh, shutdown is a success in in some sense of the word? Yeah, I would definitely say it was a success. I mean, I feel like I have to judge it that way as well because, you know. Um, but I feel like for a couple of reasons, I think we could have carried on doing the product. Like that was an option for us. Um, and that team that was running really lean, I think they would have got more and more tired and perhaps more and more um, demoralized by the fact that that growth wasn't increasing. So I think one thing is the timing of it for us. I think that was successful that we didn't wear our colleagues out. Um, and the majority, the vast majority have gone on to other products in our product suite. So we didn't lose people. And that was great in terms of the team. And then um, externally, I think that um, like the timing also, I think people would have started to notice like we'd been having these discussions and it was, you know, maybe tiring on us or um, externally that would have been aware. So I feel like the timing was good. And then, yeah, the messaging, I think it, it went as well as it could have done. Yeah. So you announced it about three months ago or so, right? Um, we or announced it at the start of February, yeah. Okay, so a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, it's not fully shut down yet. No. There's still some time to go. Yes. Is the... Is there still some of the team on it? Is it on, how much on is it on life support? What's the balance there right now on the team? Yeah, so we um, we basically have no active new development, obviously, so no new features, sure. nothing like that. Um, but we always have people on support for it. So um, somebody's maintaining the systems, you know, making sure everything's running, um, keeping the hosts up and all of that kind of stuff. And then any major support issues, um, which are actually minimal at this point because usage is obviously dropping off. Is that wearing on the team at all, the people that are kind of still on support and not on the cool new thing? Like the people that aren't on over on Go? Like Yeah, they... they're okay. We actually rotate. Okay. Uh, so um, they only have to do it for a week at a time. And then the rest of the time they get to work on cool new stuff. So I think that because the products are fairly similar, it's not like a whole new thing that they're having to remember or... Um, so I think they feel good. I think for them, they wanted it to be a positive experience as well. You know, they put effort into this. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm actually really proud. No one was like, well, screw that, you know, walk away. Everyone was like, we want it to be good for people as they roll off. So, yeah. Is there anything else that you think our listeners should know when it comes to product shutdowns, you know, from a PM perspective, tactically or even strategically? Yeah, I think that a lot of PMs are probably afraid to say, I think we should sh shut down this product. And I think for me, when I started to see this trend and knowing what we were trying to do with the rest of our products, um, 
I knew that this is a conversation that we had to have. And I think that, yeah, product managers are the people who have to say that, like, this might be their baby or it might be a founder's baby or somebody else who really loves this thing. But if you don't think it's achieving what the organization is trying to achieve or it's not doing right by its users or you don't see the future, I think it's, yeah, basically part of your core role to be like, hey, we need to have this discussion. And I don't think it should feel like a failure or a bad thing. I think it's, yeah, actually really paramount. I rarely see product managers talking about like, hey, I need to talk to my business about this product. I see a lot of people like cranking it out, churning on, keep going, tweaking things. And I feel like it would be much better if we were all just like, hey, is this doing what we want it to do? No. Okay. Let's do a good shutdown. Well, you know, in some cases, though, if you talk about shutting down, it could be for the entire business yes. or startup, yes. right? Like, yes, I do have the benefit of there being four products in this much larger organization. So there's obviously a sensitivity around that. But even in this case, you know, it was somebody on my team's idea this product was. And there were but people, you know, who'd been working on it full time for a long time. So... It was still sensitive, but yeah, I appreciate that. It's and, not as simple as like 10 people moving on. to it. And I think some thing. people have the same feeling towards features too, but like the overall long-term health is much more sustainable. And I think, you're, thank you for coming on to talk about it. It's a thing we don't talk enough about in, in product and is super key and useful and, and valuable and should be a thing that we value the same way as, as launching and shipping. To, to be quite frank, you know, that, that is actually the distinction I use to separate the, the product managers that really, you know, have their salt, you know, that have done some really serious work because you know, a shutdown is not something to be taken lightly. And the fact that you've gone through it, you've done it, you've got a bunch of experiences to talk about it, that is a mark of a serious PM and someone that has the broad swath of experience. Yeah, I would agree. I, I encourage people <laughs> don't shut down all your products, but think, <laughs> but about, but think about it. Like, think about your features. Yeah. <laughs> features. Start with features. <laughs> We're not endorsing you to shut down your products right now. Okay. Just keep them going. But just remember, that's a tool in your back yeah. pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I really think it is. And, and not to feel like, yeah, ashamed that you had to do that. All right. Thank you, Susie, for coming on today. It was We really appreciate it. Uh, I've learned a lot about shutting down a product. And again, thank you for your time. Oh, no, it's great to be here. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a PM topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproducts at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalprod. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 